0: This is the third bonus episode in our special coverage series of the conviction and sentencing of William Miller. This episode will cover details about how the plea hearing came to be, Miller's sentencing, and some of the questions that remain unanswered in the murder of Rebecca Gould. I was at home on Friday, October 14th, 2022, when I received a few text messages and then a phone call from Rebecca's father, Dr. Larry Gould. He texted me first saying the DA Eric Hans was considering offering William Miller a plea deal. We then got on the phone to discuss the situation at that time. Hey, Jan. Hi, Dr. Gould. How you doing?
1: Yeah, pretty good. So, I was just going to tell you, they offered the plea we thought. He pleads guilty to murder one, 40 years, eligible for parole in 30. But... What I did say was what I had said originally to him a week or so ago. Mm -hmm. I made a point of saying that I would not accept anything less than going to trial and trying to get life without parole. He certainly had really good reasons that I'd agree with on not doing capital murder. Yeah. Uh, And so that obviously isn't going to be the case. But before I forget, and right now I am very forgetful, Uh, what he said was when they went through the phone that they confiscated in Oregon that was ruled as being admissible, uh, they found child porn. Wow. I'm Um, not surprised,
0: actually, but wow.
1: Of course not. But here's what Eric said. Eric has asked Oregon not to pursue that.
0: Really? Uh, Did he say why he asked Oregon not to pursue those charges?
1: Yes, because he didn't want them extradited.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know that wouldn't matter.
1: Yeah, that was his answer. He didn't want him extradited. Gotcha. There, there's probably more to it, mm-hmm. but he's asked Oregon not to pursue that. Okay. So at least he told me about it. I mean, now we know that. Yeah. He needs an answer today, uh, later today. I told him right now, if you asked me, I would turn down the plea. Yeah. And go for uh, what we had talked about. We really have a good rapport, but good. you know he's a prosecutor. And he's trying to be fair, based on I think his history of what he sees in cases. He he feels like the jury is going to be tough to pick. With that being said, I re-emphasized to him. I said, if you just want to know what I would do right now, Eric, without having time to think, um, I, I would turn it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that you are the one that has the ultimate decision to make on this, that it doesn't matter what I say, although I know that you're listening to me. And he kind of, you know, agreed with that. There's a lot of thought that's put into it, but he certainly wants to honor my position.
0: Oh, well, that's good.
1: And by the way, when he was on the phone, I did ask, is there a way that I can have access, guaranteed access to the entire file mm-hmm. when this is over? And he said, if we do the plea, he doesn't see any reason why I cannot. Okay. If, if it goes to trial, then the other side can appeal
0: whatever decision and
1: everything continues and it could be a while. Yes. So it sounds like he agreed to access to the file. Okay. What was the other thing that you asked?
0: Well, the main thing that you had brought up in our last conversation was requiring that in exchange for a plea, William tell the entire truth, every detail. I mean, can they make him do that?
1: I don't know. Now, Mike's going to sit down probably with us after this is over. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And there will be a lot
1: that Mike will share. Okay. I, I, I already know that. He's just a good person, period. Yeah. I feel really comfortable afterwards with us being able to sit down with him and get answers. Um, I like the idea of getting the case file. Yeah. And, and I'm going to make that as a criteria for when I get back. Going back to your question of getting the truth out of him, what he said was, I can tell you right now that nobody else had anything to do with this other than his mother and uh, the brother may have helped clean up, that kind of thing. But maybe there's things we don't know.
0: Of course there is, yeah, sure. That that are going to be
1: there. But that's where it stands now. I think, even if I make demands this afternoon, um, I think he's going to take the plea. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I I think he's going to take
0: it. Yeah.
1: He even said an 18-year-old murder case is so hard to prosecute. Um, but he he was just shaking his head over how everything came together. And so I said, well, it came together because finally you guys dumped Dennis and got somebody in there that doesn't have tunnel vision. And basically he agreed. Good. I made a point of of reemphasizing the podcast and and that that's what brought this guy out. He agreed last week when I said that. This time he agreed again. Now I'm going to get back to him. And I'm going to go ahead and say pretty much what you said.
0: If you can just get the I, case file, that's going to answer so many questions.
1: I'll send. I'll send you a copy of my text, but it'll be later.
0: That's okay? fine. I mean, I would still think about it just for a little bit. I know you will. But
1: yeah, yeah, I will. I'll try to be careful in how I word things. Right now, I'm not thinking about it. Yeah.
0: it's a lot. It's overwhelming. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, yeah. it's you've been amazing. No, um, um, not just the way you've stayed with it, but just all of the, all of the science behind it, and, and even the, the thinking. But you know, if it wasn't for you guys, he would not have come out. He, he'd still be free. That was another thing Eric said. He said, you know, he's still amazed at how this guy came, came to, uh, yeah, to the Oregon station. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go. So. Okay. Uh, anything else comes up, I'll, I'll send it to you.
0: Yeah, this- Check in with me later on when they make a final decision and once you hear on the court date. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you for trusting me and for calling. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Just a few hours later, I received confirmation from Dr. Gould that the plea deal was agreed to by both the prosecution and defense, and a hearing was set for the following week, although they hadn't set the date at that time. I bought a plane ticket and flew to Memphis. George picked me up at the airport that night, and I stayed with him and his wife, Tracy,
1: at their house. Frontier, would like to welcome you here to Memphis, where the local time is approximately 7.48 p.m.
0: On Monday, October 17th, we got word that the plea and sentencing hearing would be held the next morning at 8 a.m. at the courtroom at the Izard County Prison. George and I drove to Dr. Gould's house the night before. I hadn't seen Doctor Gould in a year and a half, and I wanted to reconnect in person and spend a little time together before the inevitable chaos of the next day. Hey, hi, stranger. How are you pretty good? Stranger.
1: How are you doing? Never, Not a stranger. Never a stranger. It's
0: been a while. Yeah. Really good to see you,
1: George. Yeah. Doc, how are you? Good. Doing fine. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. No complaints. <laughs> so, are you guys.
0: Over there. An extremely generous homeowner offered up their vacation house to a group of us who had all planned to come in from out of town for the trial. When the trial was canceled and we knew a plea and sentencing hearing was going to occur, that homeowner again offered up their house to us. Unfortunately, the other out-of-towners weren't able to adjust their work schedules at the last minute, so it was just George and I staying at the donated house. Despite being exhausted, I didn't really sleep much. The next morning, on the way to the hearing, I turned on my recorder. Well, George, did you sleep last
2: night? Not really. Um, I feel pretty good, though, for not having slept. Me too. I think I'm running when I drum Yeah, like I'm wide awake. I didn't drink any coffee or anything. I did sleep for a little while, and when I woke up, I woke up about 3.30-ish. And I looked at my phone, and I thought, like, five hours, this is really going to happen. I can't believe it. I mean, it, it seems surreal, because we've been waiting almost two years since William got arrested. But like I told Doc last night, there are lots of families that never get this moment. They don't get to walk into a court and give me a, a victim impact statement. They don't get to face the person who killed their loved one. So it's a good day and a culminating day.
0: Yeah. You and him have been waiting 18 years. Actually, more. Yeah, we, weird, over eighteen years.
2: You know, he said last night there was a time when it was just me and him. I never thought about it that way, but it's 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 true. There was a time when there were no podcasts, nobody writing about this stuff. You know, uh, websites, media.
0: So when they found her, do you remember how you felt about whether an arrest? would be made in the near future? Like,
2: did you feel confident about that? Actually, I think I kind of did because, you know, I was new to the profession, you know, being a journalist. I didn't realize that the chances of a case like this getting solved, if it's not solved pretty early on, there's a dramatic drop-off in the percentage chance of it actually getting solved. I didn't realize that at the time. Do
0: you remember how the media coverage was? I know you interviewed Casey in June of 2005. Yep. So do you remember how the media coverage was between you know, when she died in September of 4, and then that next summer
2: was pretty consistent. It was pretty consistent. I know I wrote several stories. I know the Baxter Bulletin, um, Armando Rios and Janelle House, two people I ended up working with later on at the Baxter Bulletin, Um, they covered it quite extensively. In fact, they would break little tidbits, um, like for instance, the piano leg.
0: What do you remember thinking when you heard Piano
2: leg. You know, it was really odd to me, obviously, I think that would be odd to anybody. You know, at first I was trying to figure out, okay, how did the person get the piano leg off the piano? Yeah. Of course, I found out later that it was a loose piano leg that would come loose pretty easily. When I was told about the piano leg, something in me, like, sparked that it had to be someone who knew the house. Everybody's house has quirks, has things about it, so I thought, someone had to have known. So it had to be someone who was known to the house.
0: I remember the first thing I did was go on Google something like piano leg weapon and murder because I was like, this is the most unlikely weapon. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to see how many other cases where piano leg has been used. still to this day, it's four years later, you can't find one. This, this is it. Rebecca's is it. Yeah. As we neared the Sheriff's Department in Melbourne, Arkansas, I could feel a lump in my stomach. I definitely didn't think in 2019, when I drove down to the overlook, where Rebecca's body was found, not far from here, that one day I'd be face to face with her killer. When we arrived, the parking lot was fuller than we'd ever seen before. And there was a line of officers standing in front of the building, searching bags and ensuring everyone cleared the metal detector. The moment felt poignant and heavy. That day, Rebecca's family was set to get what so many others never do, some justice. Recording devices were not allowed in the courtroom, so we had to leave our devices in the car before heading inside to hear what William Miller had to say after 18 years. The hearing was short, about 20 minutes. William Miller was escorted in, wearing an orange jumpsuit and handcuffs. He stood before the judge who read him the charge and the conditions of the plea and sentencing deal. A plea of guilty to first degree murder in exchange for 40 years in prison with the possibility of parole at 30 years. Miller was forced to address Rebecca's family members apologizing, but it didn't feel genuine. Dr. Gould read his victim impact statement, which was beautifully written and gave great tribute to Rebecca. Following that, much to our surprise, The DA announced that Dr. Gould had requested to speak privately with Miller, and Miller had agreed. When Dr. Gould spoke directly to William Miller, many of the details that Miller shared were different than what he had told police in his original confession two years prior. Once we exited the courtroom and I could sit down with Dr. Gould, I asked him what Miller had told him. I'm glad you talked with him, but at the same time, I'm like... It just makes me so angry that he would have the audacity to just change the whole story.
1: Yeah. And especially soften it. Yeah. Everything was softened. Uh, what he told me was, he said there should be plenty of his DNA there. Yeah. Because, I want to say he was sweating, and he was dripping, it was, it, something from him was getting all over this.
0: He told you he was crying.
1: Yes. told me, he was crying. Which? And why I, I was given the yeah. CPR. And there was no strangulation. When you look at his mind, you can really see that that he sees that moment. Didn't didn't think beyond that, but took that moment to go probably say, "Okay, I can, I can control the situation again because control is a big thing. Sure, I can control the situation, and I can make them leave here thinking that I'm not quite the monster." Yeah. That I really am.
0: That's exactly what, yeah. it's all about him. Meanwhile, he's like re-victimizing you guys all over again. Yeah. Because now you don't know what to believe. Yeah. I mean, he's just a monster. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Why he took the fall for everybody else, I don't know. Well, of course, his mom would have got annihilated on the stand, which I was really looking forward to. But well, that's probably the
1: main motivator. That would be the one person he would protect. Yep. His mother. Yep.
0: And she was subpoenaed. Yeah, her and Jeremy.
1: Yeah, that that pathology there is is big. Yep. That mother. He was beaten oh, in the head as yeah. a child. Oh, that's right. And I, I forgot, forgot you said that. Yeah, beaten in the head. By his dad, right? I think so. And and that's that's why mm-hmm. that he's trying to make you think. Well, that's the reason why he hit Rebecca in the head. That's right. Because he was beaten in the head. So we're never going to get the uh-huh. real answer from him.
0: Nope. Hopefully, when you get the case file, there's enough information that at least yeah. answers some of the questions.
1: I'm going to follow up there. Okay.
0: Yeah, because it's all digitized, I guarantee it. Yeah. The one girl That's said they could said. put it on a thumb drive, so it should yeah. be pretty easy. Well, just, if the autopsy photos are in there, don't look at them. I mean, I know you're in the medical field and all that, but yeah, it's a lot different, different when, yeah. Yeah. But, uh... Different. I don't think I want to no, see that. No, no. During our conversation, I also asked Dr. Gould to share what other details he has learned from investigators or others in recent weeks.
1: What the prosecutor said to me the other day was that, which is really true when you think about it, um, in retrospect, it's easy to see this thing grow all different ways, and he said it became like folklore. He said the, the Rebecca Gould case was like folklore. You can make the sense of it. about the drug cartel coming up through there, that, that was huge. A lot, of, always dealing with drugs. So the other thing that Mike shared, we were talking about about the mother. Yeah. He basically said he caught her in in a lie. I'm sure. Probably multiple lies. It would have proved that she knew
0: yeah.
1: that he had done this. So that's... She knew. Yeah, she had to. She had to.
0: Who moves their whole household and doesn't reserve a U-Haul ahead of time, or unenroll yeah. un- her kid from school ahead of time? Yeah. Nah. It's circumstantial, but I won't believe that yeah. she didn't know. I mean, he caught her in a lie. They basically could prove she knew. Is it the statute of limitations, or why couldn't they bring any charges? I don't know.
2: When a crime is committed, clues live within digital devices. That's digital forensics. Learn how to process and analyze that data by earning a Bachelor's of Science in Digital Forensics from American Military University. Classes are online with monthly program starts. Learn more about AMU's Digital Forensics degree by visiting amuonline.com forensics.
0: There are still a lot of gaps of information in this case, but one of the questions we had for law enforcement wasn't actually about details of the case. It was about our own investigative process. While Mike McNeil, the last lead investigator on the case, did talk with us a few times during our reinvestigation, in the end, it didn't result in any kind of collaboration. So we asked Dr. Gould to request Mike provide us some feedback, any feedback, good or bad, about our methodology. We know our team can offer agencies valuable resources, including raising awareness for a victim, attracting new leads, getting people to speak with us who don't want to talk directly to law enforcement, and experts who can provide new analysis. We wanted to know what actions we took he felt were productive and helpful and which areas he thought we could improve on.
1: I want to read this thing to you first from my before I forget. Okay. He said, I I suspect there will be people or media wanting to ask me questions about my investigative process, and to be honest, all that makes me uncomfortable. I'm an introvert by nature. That coupled with the fact I'm always suspicious of a person's motivation probably doesn't make for a good interview or conversation. So that was his polite way of getting out of it. My current caseload is very heavy. I have set aside many responsibilities waiting for this case to come to a conclusion. has been difficult to focus on anything else but now that it's over I must get back to work I'm going to try and leave this case alone for a while I I have to for my own sanity I'm sure you know what I mean by that (laughs) yeah maybe in time I could have a conversation with Jen but not now some advice for her you could pass along always be very cautious when coming to conclusions when you don't have all the facts or information, I also believe there is a difference between someone providing inconsistent information over the course of many years and someone flat out lying. People's recollection of events will change over the years. You can get bogged down in that. Focus on identifying the lies. Take care, my friend, I'll reach out. That response
0: stung a lot. George and I both have extensive training and experience in interviewing people, analyzing language, and identifying lies. I did not appreciate the condescending remarks. Our only intention in all the work we did on Rebecca's case was to augment law enforcement's investigation and find the details that would reveal Rebecca's killer. We had always acted in good faith. Well, his point is clear. So... He didn't appreciate us stepping in and trying to help, is how I... Basically, I read that.
1: I but. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's at mm. liberty to to talk, but I think honestly think he will reach out. Now, the other thing I can do is I can give I can give him questions when I meet with
0: him. I mean, that was the only question I had. Like, well, that was really two, but it's like, how did we help and how did we hurt? Because we're gonna keep doing this. Our team keeps growing. AMU is providing support, and I want to understand. What worked and what didn't on their end. That's all I want to know. I don't want to ask him about the case file. I don't want to ask him about anything else. I just want to understand how
1: our methodology helped or hurt.
0: And I'm not media.
1: No, I know. I think he's. I think he's. He le- not, but he lumps us all together. Yes, but I don't. He. I don't think he meant that. I think yeah. he meant he knew that Dateline was there.
0: I mean, just a side note. I think what they can't grasp is that I talked to. I talked to. I talked to they trusted us. None of those guys would go to law enforcement,
1: but they would gun to us. And if law enforcement would just trust us a little bit. Well, I think, you know what? That's one of the things that needs to be said, said is people don't want to go to law enforcement all yeah. time, especially in, in small especially towns. If they're, in,
0: if they're into drugs or whatever.
1: I don't know if Mike is just even maybe being told kind of step away from it for now. He might be. Um, my next step will be to get the file.
0: Yeah. They are uh, going to give that to you, right?
1: Yeah. Okay, and good. When I meet with Mike, I think my focus is going to be on not everybody, everybody's going to have an investigator like you, you know, meaning Mike. And there's not going to be a Jennifer in, in every mm-hmm. county in, mm-hmm. this, in this country. So there's got to be a way to set some kind of timetable. You give law enforcement a certain amount of time. And by the way, even if it was two two or three years, that's too late. Yeah, exactly. As it is. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, I'll use it as a case example for years to come. The fact that, you know, social media and raising awareness can help or can work. Lessons learned, you know, on behalf of all of us. And again, like we said at the beginning, I... Never thought about how many people would be more comfortable talking to me or George, but will absolutely not talk to law enforcement yeah so why but can't we be the, be one of the best why things. can't we be the go-between
1: yeah yeah, especially with with uh, letting them know that we know what not to release and yeah. how to, and how to properly hand it off to you and stuff because uh, that would be their only concern
0: I mean there's a lot that he and I knew though that still hasn't been released I mean I mean we didn't breathe a word about William there's so many questions left but I also recognize you may just need to put this to bed just be honest with me and if if you're kind of like Jen I've had enough no you know, we'll I, just
1: no I, I think what I I know what I need um of uh I'm fine getting away from it for a little while sure but I'm, I want to meet with Mike I want to meet with Hansel. I Want to get what they promised yeah but I, I I agree that there's there's a, there's something here to bring out if there's a way at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. It's also like, where where do you let it go, I guess? And, and I don't want to be re-traumatizing well, I, you. I mean, as we see, people keep coming out of the woodwork. People are going to keep coming to us with information. But I don't know if you want any of that anymore. Like, I don't want to burden you with... <laughs> Uh, I want to keep you informed, but at the same time, I guess, like, if you're ready to be like, I've heard enough, I've been traumatized enough, I just want to respect that, so.
1: I, I don't think it's over.
0: Okay. I don't either. I mean, I'm, I was always in this to seek the truth. Yeah. You know, I'm not a DA, I don't, I mean, we wanted someone arrested, but we also want the whole story. Yeah. This is what just gnaws at me. It's like there's so much more. There really is. And you
1: and you have that feeling in your gut that there's just something wrong here.
0: There's such a much bigger web.
1: Yes there is. Well I I I think the next step is the file. Yeah. See what's there and what's not there.
0: I mean what what else, yeah, aside from, you know, people contacting us, so the file is the only thing that holds that. I'm really anxious to see photos of that trailer. I want to see what it looked like. Yeah, so all of
1: that would be in the file.
0: Yeah, I mean, they showed those photos in court, so yes. I would hope they don't take them out of the file.
1: And their end, in. They, in a sense, put it to bed. So yeah. They're yeah. they're kind of moving on.
0: Yep, I know. What can we do for you?
1: Just keep going. Anything, okay. Yeah, I I, I agree. I don't, I don't think it's over. Don't know what the next step is yet. may take a little while. Yeah. And you're, you're probably going to create the next step, going through the file. Yeah, hopefully we, can, see.
0: hopefully we can look at that. It took more than a week after the plea deal hearing and sentencing for George and I to find a spare minute to sit down and record our thoughts. Finally, the morning that I had to fly home, we had a little time to reflect.
2: Yeah. So, Jen, what are your thoughts now on the plea deal? What things stand out to you about it, and what things, I guess, bother you about the whole situation?
0: Well, I'm bothered because we don't have a lot of answers. Like you and I have been saying the last week and a half, like we feel like now we have more questions than ever mm-hmm. because we really didn't get any new information in the plea hearing, and then... I think the worst part was when Dr. Gould requested to talk to William Miller afterwards and William agreed, he gave a completely different confession story to Dr. Gould. So now it's like, we don't know what to believe from this guy. And talk about re-victimizing a family. Right. You plead guilty, but then you can't even go on to tell the victim's father the truth. And that just bugs me a lot.
2: Well, you know, in the first um, iteration of his story... He said things that we knew were blatantly not true. In his second telling, he is now clearly again lying about Mm -hmm. certain details. Um, One detail that jumped out to me that he's giving now is, is giving her CPR and not strangling her. The original confession was heard in August, and he said that he strangled her to death after he hit her in the head with piano leg. It just seems more like a more heinous crime because he hit her in the head twice and then strangled her. And I think he recognized that. And so what he's doing now is he's, he's trying to backtrack that part of it. And he's saying that he didn't strangle her. He tried to give her CPR after he hit her. And then he told Dr. Gould that they probably will find his DNA on her shirt because he was crying, which is absurd.
0: Yes. I don't believe that for a minute. No. The CPR thing makes absolutely no sense. If you want to get her help, call 911. So obviously he didn't do that. And there was no attempt at CPR in my opinion. No, but I feel very unsettled. It's just frustrating. Mm I (laughs) think I think frustration is probably the biggest thing right now because we just we we don't even know when Rebecca died for sure. We really don't know what exactly happened.
2: No, especially
0: in the aftermath. And um, I think it's really just horrific that her family can't have those answers.
2: Well, we know is that she was hit in the head. She laid there, probably unconscious. Um, bleeding heavily, and then she was placed on the bed. So that tells me that the person or persons who killed her, they were trying to make a decision. Mm -hmm. They were trying to decide what to do. They were panicking. They had hit her. And, again, William Miller never, ever gives us a reason why he did this. No. He told Dr. Gould that she said something to him that infuriated him, but he couldn't remember what it was. What words could make you mad enough to kill another person that you had no real connection to at all. She sort of dated your first cousin. Does that make sense to anyone?
0: No. And there's always a reason for a murder. Yeah. Always. Whether it makes sense to us or not, that's a different story. There's a lot of gaps in the story. Yes. I think that's the frustration and we can't fill those gaps. Well, the other thing that's come out is that William's mother knew apparently all these years about this murder and she didn't say anything.
2: That's according to the Arkansas State Police. I cannot
0: even fathom how a mother, or really any human being, can keep that a secret, especially when you have children of your own. I think most people following this case are angry because she gets to go on and live her life. That's another reason I feel unsettled, because I don't understand how someone can cover up a murder and they don't face any penalty for it.
2: Right. Now, there could be other factors. Maybe the statute of limitations had run... Maybe um, he agreed to the plea deal and it was just a package deal where no one else would get charged. We don't know if someone might have been offered immunity in this case to testify against him. And like you said, I think we're in complete agreement. Part of me is less settled about this case than I was before the arrest. This has been the wildest ride on any case I've ever written about or covered. We never have a waking day where we know what happened to her. And we get calls almost on a daily basis from people, you know, connected to this case. And every time we get a message, it adds like another layer of depth. And we hope people continue to reach out to us. For
0: sure, because we do want to piece this together. Yeah. And I guess that's one silver lining to all of this is that now that the case is technically closed... There's a lot of people out there who obviously are feeling comfortable to come forward to us. Yeah. So we definitely appreciate that because that is helping us fill in those gaps and learn a lot of new information, some of which is really alarming. Yeah. So um, so um I am thankful for that because at least people feel safe enough to talk.
2: Yeah. But this is just a wicked mystery.
0: It is. It's still a mystery.
2: Yes. We,
0: we still don't even know for sure when Rebecca died and... People will say, well, William said he killed her Monday morning. But the thing is, we know that he has lied over and over and over again. So we can't trust right. what he said. So we still don't even know what day Rebecca was actually killed.
2: I mean, it's it, crazy. It makes me laugh because there are people out there who will like cling to certain things he says as if they are the gospel truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then they'll dismiss other things based on whatever narrative they're trying to create. When in his own confession, he says, I am a pathological liar. I'm a really good liar. I'm a monster. I mean, he says all these things, but then you then you run to the conclusion that he's telling the truth about certain things, like she was killed Monday morning. There is no proof she died Monday morning. No. She could have died Sunday night. Sure. And what's interesting, Jennifer, is that he tried to push that narrative to us when he was on mm-hmm. our Facebook page, you know, interacting. And he had been sending messages through Casey's half-brother, and apparently he had access to that account.
0: We just gave a presentation where we showed the audience some of the messages that William had sent me, and several of them revolve around the timeline. Yes, You know, that sticks out to me now. The very first message he sent me was the newspaper article about the neighbors supposedly hearing screams. And everybody thinks that was Sunday night. That's actually never been clarified, but... Yeah, he was kind of fixated on the timeline, and he was kind of fixated on Sunday evening, which makes me really question when all of this went down. Well,
2: it's weird because another person in that family also mentioned the timeline when they were talking about the case, too, years ago. Yes. (laughs) Isn't that interesting, all these people talking about the timeline? Yeah. Getting away with it because the police had the wrong timeline.
0: Right. So... What does our future hold, George?
2: We'll just continue to follow leads, and hopefully, people will continue to reach out to us. We're hopeful that we're going to have some like in depth discussions with people who know things. Mm-hmm. I still think there's there's a, at least a handful of people out there that have not reached out to us who might know what happened. Yeah, I agree. And so,
0: and then of course, anybody that reaches out, we we always assure them, you know, full confidentiality. Absolutely. But we're also working on. A different case. We are working on season three of Break the Case. We're working on new episodes for your podcast. Yep. And we are hoping to be traveling in the near future to mm-hmm. another state for another case and do our normal on the ground investigation. So yeah, I would ask everybody to stay tuned. We're going to try to put our crowdsourcing and our skills to use again and help another family. So one thing I'll say that it's also really disappointing is we asked for a meeting with Mike McNeil, mm-hmm. not to discuss the case, really, but we wanted to understand which of our methods helped and which of them possibly hurt. We really wanted the honest truth about that because we're going to keep doing this for other cases and mm-hmm. we want to understand from the law enforcement side of things, you know, how we can best help them. But Mike refused to meet with us. So, unfortunately, we don't have that inside information that we were hoping for, but we'll keep trying and doing our best. Yeah. So appreciate everybody out there that, you know, stuck with us <laughs> this crazy process. Yeah. And uh, continues to. So, yeah. and I hope that all the people that chimed in and helped and researched and did on the ground stuff for us, I hope you guys will join us on our next case and, and help us do the same thing because we could not have done this on our own. No, no. way. So just no. want to thank the listeners and everybody else. So, well, George, time to go to the airport.
2: <laughs> On to the next one.
0: Yep. <laughs> it's a positive feeling to end our first season to break the case with a conviction. William Miller will likely spend the rest of his life behind bars for his involvement in Rebecca's murder. But the feeling of content and resolution is absent. Dr. Gould did receive the case file as promised by the Arkansas State Police, and George received a copy a few days later. As George and I review the content of that file, we may record some additional future episodes discussing the information contained within. In the meantime, listeners can visit our Facebook group, Unsolved Murder of Rebecca Gould, as we post the content of the file in chronological order. Additionally, we are really excited to announce the third season of Break the Case coming soon. It will focus exclusively on the unsolved murder of Linda Malcolm, who was killed in Port Orchard, Washington in 2008. We welcome everyone to please join us as we reinvestigate her case and seek out her killer. On April 30th, 2008, in Port Orchard, Washington, emergency dispatch was sent to the home of 47-year-old Navy veteran Linda Malcolm. The home was ablaze but Linda never stood a chance of escaping. Linda's body was found in her bedroom. She'd been stabbed approximately 18 times. It was clear someone murdered Linda and then set her home on fire, partly to cover their tracks. George, Jared, and I return for season three with the help of AMU's cold case team to try and uncover the identity of Linda's killer. This season on Break the Case... They thought whoever did it knew
1: Linda. She was taking a new job, so this happened the day before she was
2: moving to her new place, so So the night before.
0: She was physically going to be moving to somewhere else.
2: Yes, she was physically going to move, so to me, in my mind, it's someone she knew. Here's the other thing, the people who know what happened to her, there are people out there who know exactly what happened to her. Yeah. We have to create a net big enough that we capture the person who knows. It might just be one person in the whole world, and somehow, some way, we've got to find them.
0: What we can say with pretty high confidence is that she passed away before the fire because her CO2 level was
2: 9%. She bled out
0: internally and externally.
2: I imagine Linda, I'm sure she fought, and I'm sure it was high adrenaline, but I'm sure she suffered too.
0: The fact that she was able to put up quite a fight against this person tells us that the killer was not able to overpower her immediately.
2: Like I said, this this is
1: burnt. It's like an accelerant. The inside of this house is extremely hot, but nothing burnt on the roof. That means whatever was inside of here burnt extremely hot and extremely fast. And it shows in all the photos. And the inside of that car is absolutely charred. I mean, there's nothing... Even the plastic on the steering wheel was burnt off of it.
2: I'm still trying to get over the devastating thing that my sister was stabbed 18 times. My father passed away, and my mother's going on 94. She still thinks about her every day.
0: Be a part of the conversation and stay up to date with all new developments in Linda's case by joining our Facebook group titled Unsolved Murder of Linda Malcolm. You can also follow us on Twitter at BreakTheCaseAMU. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it on social media with your family and friends so we can build the biggest investigative team possible to solve Linda's murder. This podcast is brought to you by American Military University. Narrated and produced by Jen Buchaltz with co-host and investigative journalist George Jared. Senior producers, Leeshan Kranick and Andy Crow, with support from Lisa Tanis. Sound engineering and editing by Harvest Creative Services. Special thanks to the Case Breakers, an investigative partner of AMU. Subscribe to Break the Case on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or
1: wherever you listen to podcasts.